As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. Friends, I am so excited to share this interview today. I knew it was going to be good, but my guest, Rosemary Card, also known as Rosie, totally blew me away because this woman does it all. She was an international model. She is now a business owner. She's a speaker. She is an author of a memoir we're going to talk about today as well. But Rosie has learned throughout her life to develop her own voice and to use it. And that's what she's going to teach us how to do today. She's a public member of the Mormon church and her business is to create uh, temple dresses on top of other clothing items and accessories. But Rosie's voice has had to stand out in many unique ways and she has used it and inspired others to do so as well. So regardless, if if you are a member of the LDS faith, I know you will learn so much from Rosie. Now, before we dig in, I wanted to remind you of the two workshops we have coming up that I am hosting. The first is a solo workshop with just me in Northern California on a Saturday, August 25th. It's a four-hour workshop. The second is a two-day, 24-hour workshop in Draper, Utah, September 28th and 29th with my guest teachers, Kim Christensen of Talk Wordy to Me and Rachel Nilsson of the 3 and 30 podcast. It's called the Rediscover You Workshop. Both of these workshops are designed to help women uh, who feel lost. We want to help you and we're going to make this something that is life-changing. I know it will be. There are only four tickets left to the Draper one. I have included a special code here for my listeners only for $35 off that Draper workshop. And the code is LISTENER in all capital letters. Again, only four tickets left for that. And for my workshop in California, we have just a few tickets left as well. I have links in my show notes for more details for both of those workshops, as well as where you can get your tickets. Okay, enough from me. We need to just dig into this interview with Rosie. All right, I'm here with Rosemary Card. Hi, Rosie. Hey, thanks so much for having me. 
Well, it's an honor to have you. I absolutely love following you online. I love your dresses and I love your book that you just came out with, Model Mormon. I sped through that thing and that is like a huge compliment because it is taking me a year to read a book lately. So I loved it. Thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to be talking about some things that I've been inspired by you. You just are this amazing balance of being uniquely you and and loving that. And I'm sure it's been a process, but let's chat about what all that's like, this theme of owning conflicting parts of yourself and living differently. And I wanted to know how this might have started Mm -hmm. for you as a child. And was this modeled for you? And how did you grow into that as a child? Um. You know, I think my parents were always very good at just allowing us to do what we want to do. We never felt pressure to, if we got signed up for soccer and we decided four lessons into it, that it wasn't our thing. They were okay with us stopping. And I know that a lot of kids fuss about like, oh, I don't want to practice piano. And then they later will regret that they didn't keep practicing piano. Mm. Um but my parents were really okay with us just kind of doing what we wanted to do. Um, and when I was young, I dealt with a lot of bullying. Mm. Um, I looked very different from a lot of my my peers, the kids my age. Um, and so when I was 8 to 12, my family lived in New York. And the like Italian families in New York called it getting fresh, um, which is just like, basically a parent would be like, don't get fresh with me if a kid was being sassy or talking back. Um, Mm. And I think like getting fresh was a really good skill for me to learn Um, Mm. that I learned kind of how to stick up for myself and how to um, speak to people who maybe were in power technically over me. Um, And I think that's really helped me my entire life to just be like my number one advocate. Oh my goodness. I love those stories, even though they also made me sad, you know, that (laughs) those things happened to you at such a age, but I loved your spunk about how you dealt with that. And that definitely that voice that you have seems to have been a big uh, foundation for you and carrying you through some really tricky things in your life. And, you know, part of the book, you talk about being an international model and mm-hmm. and how that your voice mattered there, too. How did that carry into your career as a model? Um, because of my faith, my standards made me different from a lot of models um, and just a lot of people in the industry. Um, but looking back, I realized that I also, even though I had, I was different. Um, the cool thing about the fashion industry is that everyone is different, Mm. especially the high fashion industry. Um, People are so unique and so themselves. And I think when you see someone who just seems like kind of wild and crazy, be so confident in their own skin, you think like, okay, I I can do that too. You Mm. know, like if that person can love themselves, which sounds awful to be like if they can love themselves I can too but you know what I'm saying like if that person can just say hey this is me and I am totally unapologetic about it um then I think it's a great thing a for that person and b for everyone around that person because it gives everyone else permission to be themselves as well 
So was this something that you grew into as a model? Did you, or did you start that way? Just feel like, this is me. This is Rosie. No, I mean, as far as sticking up for myself and my standards, mm-hmm. I, that I came into the modeling industry with that kind of in my bones. Um, but being confident with who I am and my appearance, and then also just like myself as a human, um, it's, been something that I've worked on for a lot of years. Um, Teen years, early 20s were really hard. And I just feel like with every year, um, I love myself more and more. Um, And I have a friend who was giving advice to like a younger woman. The woman was probably like in her early 20s. My friend is in her early 30s. And she was like, listen, as you get older, like, you get better looking, you have more money so you can do things for yourself. Like, and she, I just thought, oh, that's so true. Like getting older is the best. Yeah, totally. I feel like telling it's that to my best. kids all the time and they're like, why can't I do this or that? I'm like, when you're an adult, you can. And that's awesome. You absolutely can. <laughs> well, I wanted to, I mean, this might seem a little straightforward, but I wanted to talk about your body and not in the mm-hmm. way that you think you talked about how you look different growing up and as a model that became a strength. Um, and then as you moved away from the model industry, I'm sure that there has been, there have been so many different pressures and so many different ways of one force, trying to force you to fit in and trying to make rosy your body, you know, to identify you as your body first and not rosy. Mm-hmm. And I imagine yes. the pressure was so intense there. But I wanted to know for you, how are you able to differentiate Rosie from your body? It's um, it's tricky. My body is something, um, I'm almost six foot and I'm quite slender. And it's something that people, either they're just saying like, oh, you're so tall or, oh my gosh, you have such long legs. And my body is something that is, pretty constantly commented on maybe constantly is a little dramatic but like um it's commented on a lot um and so when I was a teenager and when I was a model it was nearly impossible for my little mind I could didn't know how to separate like who I was and my worth and my body um and I think I've just had to take control of that and force myself, force my brain to focus on things that matter more, um, like education and service, um, gaining new skills, hard work, things like that. Um, and that way I'm able to accomplish things and in a sense reward myself. Um, and that feels really good. And it feels better than anyone saying like, oh my gosh, you have a great body Mm. or, you know what I mean? Like being proud of myself for creating my company or Mm -hmm. feeling good because I'm helping someone in need. That feels so much better than any compliment ever will. Um, And so I've just kind of had to say like, those are distractions, probably lots of them well-intentioned, but distractions all the same. Um, And I'm going to distract myself Um, simply by reminding myself that my body is a tool to help accomplish things. My body is not um, what makes me great. 
Does that make sense? Absolutely. I'm so glad that you would be willing to go into that a little bit. And I know that is uh, kind of a straightforward way of asking about it. But why I ask is because for so many years you were ridiculed for it. And then for so many years Mm -hmm. you've been praised for it. And I imagine the whiplash there and the hyper-focus people have placed on your body is super hard to deal with. And I admire how you did that. And it's so interesting how, like, um, I I didn't go from, like, hating my body to loving my body. And, like, I didn't go from, like, really sad because I was being ridiculed because of my body to really happy because my body was being celebrated. Like, I dealt with essentially the same sadness in both scenarios. um, And I'm convinced it's because, like, whether we're hating on ourselves or thinking that we are, like, I'm the hottest thing. Everyone's looking at me. I'm the best. I've got their most rockin' boss. Regardless, you're just thinking about yourself as an object. And and you're not going to feel happy. Um, but when you start seeing your body as a tool um, to learn new skills, to accomplish things, um, to be powerful and strong and brave, then I think you open up a window that can really allow you to appreciate your body and feel real happiness. Yes. Oh, I love it so much. And plus our bodies change. I mean, they'll never be static. (laughs) Never. No. So our worth has to be on something so much more. Um, And I'm grateful for your honesty on that. Another, another theme that I see in your, in your book and in your life is, you know, we've talked about having your voice and knowing who you are, but also just your tenacity and proving the naysayers wrong from serving your mission, from creating a business from scratch. Um, this is just something lovely and bold and inspiring about you. Tell me about where you get your grit from and what it really looks like to be in the middle of this work. That's not probably Mm -hmm. as easy as people think it is. (laughs) <laughs> or at least as you make Nor it seem to be. Yes. No. Um, no, so I so I used to be, I used to do a lot of photography work. And for a, a few years, I would go to, there's this small town in Utah called Camas, Utah. And they have what they essentially, it's like a rodeo, but it's only bull riding the whole time. They call it the bull wars. And I was the bull war photographer. Um, you see every year, at least one guy, the bull riders wear like these protective vests so that they don't get bored. Um, and a lot of them have stickers all over their vests. And I always remember, and I have this, like one of my favorite photographs I've ever taken is the back of this cowboy or this bull rider. And he just has this big sticker on the back that says, say I won't. Mm-hmm. And I I've always remembered that. And it's been um, a really good kind of like theme in my life to just say, like, say I won't, um, or tell me I won't. And, of course, that can get, like, unhealthy. Sure. Um, and you don't want to be doing things just to prove to people that you can. Um, but it has been, it's been something that's really helped me um, carry through. I, I had, I, when I was a senior at BYU, I was working on this big documentary project um, and to tell my story about modeling. And it ran into some really weird drama um, Mm. with a professor involved on the project. Um, And he was trying to kind of like essentially bully me. 
Um, and he just was like, there's no other way. You'll never get another chance to tell this story. Um, and I just remember thinking like, say I won't. Um, and I just kind of locked that away. And even that drama ended up shutting down my documentary, which was heartbreaking at the oh, time. Yeah. Um, but it enabled me to kind of keep that fire inside of me that someday I would find another way um, to share my story and I would make it even better. And so the book for me is a really great kind of like um, full circle on that, that I was wow. able to share my own story um, and do it kind of on my own terms. Um, and not be tied to any weird situation. Um, but as far as my business, I think sometimes I will get emails from people saying like, Hey, I'm thinking of starting a business. Um, can you talk me through what it's like? And I like try to be encouraging, but I also try to be realistic. Yeah. Um, and just to explain that in the beginning, like, being a small business owner is the worst job ever because <laughs> you like <laughs> you never get to leave work mm. um, and you work holidays and you work weekends and you work all crazy hours. Can you also like take a break at 2 p.m. to go to the dentist? Yeah. And that's really nice. Um, and I love that kind of flexibility. Um, but I don't get like paid time off is not a thing. Um, I don't get to say, okay, I'm taking a trip and I'm not answering my emails, you know? Yeah. Um, and as the company grows and I'm adding more employees, I'm able to kind of um, divvy out those responsibilities to better my work-life balance. Um, but I'm three plus years deep in it and I'm it's still working. <laughs> and yeah, so, I'm sure. I mean, and I know I, I sometimes it's hard for me to not see Utah is obviously kind of like a little hotbed of all these great little startups that are really success, successful off of social media. Um, and it, I have to kind of refuse to compare QNOR to any of those other companies because I see like, oh, they have such huge warehouses and they are taking vacations and they have lots of employees. Yeah. Um, and I've just had to kind of accept that, like, Cunor is a different animal. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm a different animal. And um, I'm, I'm, I don't have a business partner. And I decided early on, like, I didn't want to take out any loans. I didn't want to go into debt for this. Um, and so growth is slow because I can't, I can't buy any products that I can't give cash for. Mm -hmm. um, so it just has kind of been a different process. Um, and... You know, there are like today I've folded like 250 dresses. So that sounds like a ton to me. Be, yeah, is that good or it bad? It is a lot of dresses. Okay, I was like, that sounds um, really amazing. Yeah, okay. Well, it, I mean, just to kind of say like, but also like it's monotonous and so painful. Like mm -hmm. 75 dresses in, you just want to stab your eyes out with forks. Oh, so I see. Bad. Yes. Okay. But so just to kind of say like, um, so it's not glamorous. That's for sure. It's hard. It's a hustle. Um, but it it's like 100% the right thing for our, like my, my spirit and my personality. Um, and I really love it. Um, why is that, Rosie? But it is not glamorous. Yeah. Why do you I keep with it then? What, what do you get out of, and I don't mean this in like a, 
what do you get out totally. of it? But like, yeah. What, no, because there have this? been times that it's like, it would have been, I would be making more if I just got a job. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, like early, in the early years, it was like, I should just get a job. <laughs> and I would be making more money and have better hours. But um, I just. I've always known I wanted to start my own business. I remember when I was in college, um, I was with a friend and her dad, and he is a lawyer and a representative, and and we were driving somewhere, and we were just talking about jobs and bosses and, and how frustrating that can be. Um, and he said, yeah, I worked for someone else once. It wasn't for me. <laughs> and that just hit home for me, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's it!" I need, like, I need to not. I need to do my own thing. Mm. Um, I, I just, it's really, it's really motivating for me to know that, um, no one else is going to get it done if I don't do it. Um, and like all of the consequences will ultimately influence my life if I don't get my work done. Um, and so that's really empowering and I also love just knowing like I can make my own risks and I can say like we're gonna go for this we're gonna try this new product and I don't have to get approval from someone else um and so it's yeah it's just been good for me you know it's funny like one of the positives is being able to take your own risks and one of the negatives is dealing with the outcomes of those risks and I'm yeah, sure you've had totally. yes so many hard things that have happened from some risks you have taken. Can you tell me about maybe one of those and a risk you had to take and maybe an outcome that wasn't so great, but what you've learned from it? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I feel like there's so many things that I've been like, whoops, lesson learned there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've been, I was really, really lucky in the sense that my first product, my hero product, my temple dresses, um, all were a success right off the bat. People loved the styles they were selling. Um, I didn't have a dress that like wasn't selling. Um, And so I just was like, oh, this is great. Like they're all just selling. Um, And I started getting um, a lot of requests or I felt like I was getting a lot of requests for a dress with a zipper in the front. Mm. Um, And so I was like, oh, ever like, there's this huge demand for a zip up the front dress. And so I made that dress and because my other dresses were selling so much, I told my manufacturer, like, we're just going to dive in deep on this one. Um, and I placed a much larger order than I typically place for a first run of a style. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just isn't a zip up the front is something that like, um, grandmas really love, you know, or like people with, shoulder issues because it's easy for dressing but like the average girl um in my like main target market like that's not something that's really desirable yeah and so I kind (laughs) of got 
tricked what I call like the noisy minority. Um, (laughs) That like not that anyone tricked me, but I just um, yeah, like you can. There's this issue where sometimes it's a small minority of people, but they happen to be very vocal about their like wants, and it feels like oh this is a huge want when in fact it's just like a little minority group. Um, so, so yeah, so there's things like that. And just, I always have to remind myself, like, go slow, Mm -hmm. go slow, go slow. Like definitely take risks when they're, when it's time, like, um, at the beginning of 2018, um, I have been with a fulfillment center for the past year um, and some stuff was going on that I knew, like, I was like, oh, I got to get out of here. Um, and I just had the idea, like, I should open the store. And then, like, maybe two weeks later, a lease for a store and sorting that kind of stuff out. Wow. Mm. So many times where I moved very quickly. Um, but I think you just kind of, like, you start to feel it out. And sometimes you get burned in some areas and you know, like, okay, like that. I learned that lesson. Like I'm going to go slower in that area next time. Um, but yeah, Lessons just finding learned. that balance. So yep. how, how do you view failure then because of the many risks you've taken and, and some have really panned out well and some others not, what does failure mean for you in your life then? Um, I feel like before QNOR, I had a couple of what felt like to me pretty public and pretty big failures. Really? Um, one, one being my documentary, mm-hmm. um, another just feeling like I had failed in the modeling industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so after living through those, I kind of was like, Oh, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Like, like if QNOR didn't work, I kept, I would say early on, like, if it doesn't work, I will just kind of like want to go in a hole for a little while and I'll feel embarrassed, but then like, I'll carry on. Like people forget about it because people are too consumed with their own stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like there have been products that I have launched that didn't do as well as I thought they would, but you just kind of like keep going Just say like, Oh shoot, that didn't work. Like, I need to put that on sale and try to like get rid of those and then, and then carry on. And granted, that's a really privileged place that I'm in just because I do have products that are selling. And so I've created like a a safety net for myself that I'm able to kind of test out new things now. Mm, Um, And I'm, I can launch a product and if it doesn't do super well, it's not going to destroy me, you know, where in the beginning that if my tumble dresses didn't sell it, does killing would have destroyed me. But um, yeah, I think just coming to the understanding that like you learn stuff through failure um, and it, I always try to remind myself like my worst case scenario really isn't that bad. Yeah. Like the, the worst. And of course my worst case scenario, I always want to say is like, is privileged that I know that like, huh. even if my business bombed and I had to sell my home because I couldn't make my mortgage payments. Like the very worst thing that could happen to me 
is I would have to move into my parents' home for a couple months while I get my, like, back on my feet. Mm. And, like, yeah, that would be really brutal and really hard, but, like, it could be so much worse. Um, yeah. And I'm also lucky that I, I'm, I don't have a family that I'm worried about, like, paying for ballet lessons or feeding little mouths. Um, and so that kind of puts me in a different situation, but different situation, but yeah, I think just kind of thinking like, okay, what's the worst case scenario and can I handle it? Like, mm-hmm. could I, is it worth it to me? Could I survive it? I love that. Is it worth it to me? Okay. Yeah. So what's been something that's been hard to accept in your life? Mm-hmm. Something that has been hard to accept in my life. Um, I think I have had, it's really like the same thing I've struggled with since I was in middle school. It's just that I am enough just as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was really young and when I was a model, it was trying to prove that I was, prove that like because my body was one way or another, I was of value. Um, and now mm-hmm. as an adult and in the situation I am in, um, I feel really lucky that I have a platform to like voice my opinion mm-hmm. um, and my thoughts and my beliefs. But I always have to remind myself that like I am enough um, and my thoughts and opinions are valid no matter what anyone else thinks of them. You know, mm-hmm. like I can post something that feels really important to me. And even if it doesn't hit home with anyone, those are still important things. Um And I think it's kind of something that we all struggle with in some sense is just knowing that, that we're nuts. And like as a single woman, I'm almost 30. um, And in relationships, it can be really tricky to Mm -hmm. just remind yourself like, nope, I'm enough. I'm enough. Like I do not need to change for this person. I don't need to hide parts of me or alter parts Mm -hmm. of me in order to make this person love me. Um, and that, that can be so hard. Yeah. Um, and it just, especially when it comes to like wanting to be loved and accepted, it feels, it's so easy to say like, oh, I'll just stop doing that or I'll, that mm-hmm. I can make that not it's the be easier to me or I'll path, right? that. Yeah. And, and then, then moment. Love me. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely been in relationships where I've had to say like, uh, as much as it feels so good to be loved by this person, I don't feel like they loved me for me. Um, uh, and so I have mm. to get out of this situation because I need, like, I know that I'm enough and I need to be loved for who I am, not oh, wow. like a version of myself that I can present yes. to this individual. That's so courageous. Wow. You, you like to do some truth bombs in this book and you've talked about, you know, doing posts that mean a lot to you. Um, what is, what's your one for this, for this podcast, I guess? What is, what is one thing that you wish people would know far and wide? Hmm. I am a really big believer that you or me or like just humans in general or an individual, um, you may not change the world, but I think we all have a responsibility to really try. Um, and I'm a big believer that like, if you show the universe 
that you want to help and that you want to make a difference, um, the universe will eventually give you a job and say like, okay, you want to play a role? Like here, here's this little like pocket of the world that you can change. Um, or another, just another individual that you can bless their life. Um, and so, and so, yeah, I just think like, I mean, social media is so tricky because there's a huge desire to not want to say anything that will ruffle people's feathers. And like, there's a fear of like, oh, am I going to lose followers for this? Um, Yeah. And that's your business. Yeah, it's my business. So I I, like, I have to be mindful of that. Um, But uh, I just like, it's, so hard for me to believe that I have been given this opportunity solely just to sell clothes. Yeah, I just I can't buy that. Even if they're temple um, clothes, so, <laughs> that's not. Yeah, the... even if temple clothes, mm-hmm. like not the most important thing in the world. Um, and so I have to like, I'm a believer in God, um, and I have to say like, okay, God, you're in charge, um, and I trust that if I feel like I need to post this thing that could be somewhat controversial, um, I'm going to have to trust that you are going to take care of QNOR and you're going to mm-hmm. help dresses to keep sell, even selling after I, I post this. Because um, I just think I would, I know I, in, in years down the road, once if QNOR is done and I'm off social media, I know I would look back and feel really bummed out that I didn't use my voice. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what I mean? I think I would feel like, shoot, I had the mic for a second and I didn't really say anything that was that important. Um, So, so that's why I, I know some people probably think I'm a little reckless with it, but (laughs) no, I don't think so. well, probably maybe because you're bold. Good. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I've it's been really tricky because I felt like a lot of pressure to kind of squeeze into. Like I know how to. I know how to talk to other Mormons, you know. Yeah. And I know the things that I could post that would make everyone feel super warm fuzzies. Um, yes. <laughs> but like, I would. Wow. I think. Anyone that's grown up in the church knows how to do that. Um, but I just think, like, there's enough of that. Um, and even if there's just, like, one like one LGBTQ follower that really needs a, like, Mormon social media personality to let's say, like, hey, I see you and I love you, like, I want to do it for her. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't want to sound like that. I think I'm a hero or something. I just think no, like I don't make you that way. There are times that I, like I know that I thought like, dang, I really wish someone that I looked up to would say something um, that would make me feel less alone. Um, and so, um, rather than just waiting for other people to do that for me, I feel a responsibility to try to do that for others. So. Wonderful. Okay, Rosie, um, I typically ask people, you know, last question, something about what they've learned about themselves the past few years. And I would like to ask that, but kind of in a different frame. I feel like you and I are pretty uh, similar in in our faith, 
and thinking that we can have faith and doubts and that's totally okay and actually that's that's the whole point faithful a lot of people are yeah what would you say I said it's really faithful yes there you go that's the true definition of faith right like so that's actually this is my my weird way of asking (laughs) what have you learned about your faith and what that can look like for you the past few years oh man my faith is always changing um I I think the best thing that I've been focused on is just reminding myself constantly that my Heavenly Father and my Heavenly Mother love me regardless. Like, no matter where I stand, no matter what I'm doing, they love me. Um, I definitely believe that there are um, certain blessings that are attached to obedience to commandments and laws um but i do not believe their faith their love is one of those Mm -hmm. um it's unconditional um and so i've allowed myself to fail when it comes to faith and being a mormon and i've allowed myself to try really hard um and i've allowed myself at times to say like I'm sick of reading stories about men or like just to get like upset and vocalize it. Yeah. Um, and then I can, I feel like once I get it out there, I can then turn to them and be like, okay, I know at like, there is a lesson I need to learn and that I am like on a journey towards something, um, ultimately towards them. Um, but how, how can I learn from this? How can this be a situation that will enable me to help others? Um, and it has been like the most relieving thing um, just to s- allow myself to be a very imperfect Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I just know that they're okay with that. And I know that I'm I'm learning and I'm growing um, in ways that are exactly what they want for me. Um, and not not saying that like I'm always doing exactly what they want, just that like I have full confidence in the atonement of Jesus Christ, <laughs> that no matter what step I take, He can always direct my next step towards them. If that makes sense. Yes. Like the path can always be adjusting no matter what point I'm at there's always a straight line back to them um and so I I just have become oh okay with that um and and yeah so I just am like sometimes I suck at being Mormon and but that's okay. Like they still love me. Um, and I, and I'm really, really trying to be a disciple of Christ. Um, and I think that's what matters most through this process. Um, and this kind of faith journey for me, I've learned that it's so important to make room on the pew for all different types of Mormons. Um, and that we really benefit by being able to learn from other people's failures and successes and experiences, no matter what stage we're at, 
um, just similar to what I was saying earlier about the fashion industry, that if we have people who are able to be authentic in who they are, um, it gives everyone else the freedom to do that as well. Beautiful. I'm going to give you a Mormon amen from, from this oh, side. Oh, thank you. Rosie, this has just been so fun for me. I I love your book. I'm going to make sure I link to that. And I just love who you are. I love the business you've run. I love the way you're doing it all and the courage that you have behind it. Thank you so much for being on the show. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Can you get over this woman? I so enjoyed getting to talk to Rosie more and we chatted off the air as well. It's it's difficult to be a woman in between. And I relate very much to what Rosie has felt in her life, although we've led completely different lives. I know what it feels like to be a woman in the middle of so many things, but learning how to stand your own ground and in your own very unique way and, and, and being a very contradictory person in some ways, but a very accepting person in others, I took, I took so much strength from Rosie's story and how freely she shared it. And I hope you do too. I hope that you can learn from Rosie how to develop your own voice and to use it. I have linked to the many places you can get Rosie's book on my show notes, which you can find on my website aboutprogress.com. I'm telling you guys, it's such a good read. I take probably six months to a year to read books nowadays, and I read this one in just a few. It was like talking to an old friend and about things that are really important and funny and introspective. It was everything. So definitely get that. And I am currently wearing her dreamy right now as I'm recording and I'm in love with it. So I can't wait to actually purchase a real temple dress from her too. It's been on my list for years. So as soon as I can get to Utah and try them on in person, that's my plan. Rosie, you are amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. Next week, I have an incredible guest in store for you, and I hope you turn back in. If you love the show today, please subscribe, please share it, and do me the biggest favor of leaving me a rating and review so I can get to my goal of 500 this year. I would so appreciate that. Thank you again for being here, and I'll see you next Wednesday for another interview. And until then, take care of yourself. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.